Happy Easter. Ironically, this is kind of what most of our Sundays are like, I think, anyway. Uh, today, though, other than singing Ron Happy Birthday, is going to be a little bit different for us. Uh, Ron and I are kind of going to do less teaching. There's not really going to be illustrations and metaphors, but rather it's going to be more of a liturgical uh, kind of morning together. I think in life, some of the richest things are just really simple, and often we overcomplicate and add and subtract, and when it comes to Easter and what the scriptures tell us about Jesus of Nazareth, we just want to simply celebrate with you today. And so this morning will be a little bit different. We're going to read a lot of the scriptures together. Ron will provide some context and kind of narration to guide us through this morning. I'll read some of the scriptures, and then we want this to be something where we all participate together. The church for us is never about what happens from the stage, but it's about who we are together, united in our following of Jesus. So we'd love for you to participate with us. When you see uh, the orange or yellow color on the screen, we'd love for you to read those scriptures out loud with us. There's power in proclaiming the truths of the scriptures as one body with one voice. So when you see that color, please uh, join with us. And then the last thing I'll say before we dive in this morning is this. We talk often, I think, in any religious circles, but in, in Christian circles, just the same about belief. Do we believe this or do we not? And belief certainly matters. The scriptures talk about belief and whether or not we do believe in the name of Jesus, and that, that significantly matters. But I think what matters more is recognition that Jesus is so much more than a belief in our salvation. He's a real person. He's Jesus of Nazareth that walked and lived and breathed and cried and had friends and had enemies and loved them just the same. And that he's not just somebody from a distant past, but he's alive and well today. And so today is not about a religion, is not about a truth or doctrine to believe. Today is about a person that we actually have relationship with. And so you might not be in a place where you believe in that person, but many of us today know him. And so today is going to be simple. We're not going to try to convince or persuade. We're just going to enjoy. And if the spirit in the midst of that happens to reach out to you to offer an invitation for you to be with him as well, then all the better. I will have opportunities for, for baptism later or just to get to know him. We'd love to, to walk alongside of you in that journey. So with that said, we'll, uh, we'll dive into what we have this morning. Yeah, it's kind of become tradition on Resurrection Sunday as believers would pass each other um, that one would say, he is risen. And the other would respond, he is risen indeed. And so we're going to do that together. So get you warmed up for some of the interactive readings. So let's do that together. All right. He is risen. Awesome. And so today on this very special day, uh, here is a bit of the historical account of both the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It is him and his resurrection that we're here to celebrate and remember today. After Jesus' tomb was found empty, the disciples were confused and a bit lost. What now? Well, a couple of them took a long walk down the road to Emmaus, and they were joined by Jesus, but they were unable to recognize him. Their mystery guest heard what was ailing them and then spoke up. In Luke 24, we read, Jesus said to them, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. 
Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Can you imagine what it would have been like to take that walk and have Jesus himself connect the dots about himself through all of the scriptures? So we'd like to take a brief journey on this Resurrection Sunday and take a similar walk. We're simply going to read portions of the scripture concerning Jesus. These words are a powerful reminder that what Jesus went through as recorded in the Gospels was foreseen and foretold hundreds and hundreds of years before in the Old Testament. These connections should encourage our faith in him today, that he is indeed risen and he is indeed God Almighty. Let's go ahead and read from Zechariah together in verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. Zechariah's prophecy some hundreds of years before accentuated the humble and unexpected arrival of King Jesus. He came not as a political or earthly revolutionary, but rather a meek spiritual rescuer. And he came on the back of a humble donkey rather than a powerful steed. His ministry for the previous three years had been disruptive and challenging. It had been miraculous and even refreshing. But opinions about Jesus had really varied. His opponents were threatened by him, and even his own disciples were prone to failure. In Luke 22, we read, The festival of unleavened bread, which is called Passover, was drawing near. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death because they were afraid of the people. Then Saint Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. He went away and discussed with the chief priests and temple police how he could hand Jesus over to them. They were glad and agreed to give him silver. So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray Jesus to them when the crowd was not present. Until then, Jesus gathered his closest friends to celebrate the Passover. This is a meal that commemorated when God delivered his people from death in Egypt as his people were covered by the blood of a sacrificed lamb. In the same chapter in Luke, verse 13, so they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. And so King Jesus willingly offered himself as the sacrificial lamb, capital S, capital L, once and for all, on a mission of love and without any sin or guilt or blemish or wrongdoing in himself, 
Jesus was faithful to break the curse of sin and death by going to the cross for us. And it's there that he stood in our place. Let's read the words of Isaiah the prophet, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man, and his form did not resemble a human being. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what they had not heard. So Jesus had declared himself to be God. And many took advantage of this to declare him guilty of the crime of blasphemy, claiming to be God, even though Jesus wasn't lying. Judas would betray Jesus and set into motion the most intense moments of Jesus' mission. And a mock trial and a mob mentality would set up a public beating and the subsequent execution of Jesus. The Old Testament prophesies these events in both Psalms and Isaiah, while the New Testament gives a historical record of the the fulfillment of those prophecies. Luke chapter 23. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders kept scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The Old Testament spoke an awful lot about the suffering servant, the Messiah, Jesus hundreds of years before the psalmist wrote. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, yet I have no rest. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People look and stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves, and they cast lots for my clothing. In Isaiah 53, yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pains. But we, in turn, regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities, Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death, although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. And finally, as the prophecies of Scripture were fulfilled, then Luke records the death of Jesus on the cross. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three, because the sun's light failed. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God, saying, This man really was righteous. 
All the crowds that had gathered for this spectacle when they saw what had taken place went home, striking their chests. But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Earlier we read in Luke chapter 22 when Jesus shared and led the disciples in the Passover meal. And the disciples at this point had shared this Passover meal many times, but never in this way with Jesus. This was this bridge and this transitional moment where the old way was ending and Jesus was ushering in a whole new covenant and system and relationship between him and the world. And it started at that table, at that dinner with those disciples. I want to reread what he says that they didn't fully understand in this moment. Luke 22, uh, verse 19. And Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. There's a couple key things there. One, Jesus does all the work. It is his body and it is his blood. And in that moment, he says, I offer this, me, myself, as a gift for you. And as you sit here today, we can know that that for you does not just apply to those disciples back then, but it applies to you sitting here today. He gave his body and his blood for you. And so we're going to pause now. We're going to take communion together. Under your seat should be a packet uh, with the communion elements if you would like to partake in communion. Or if you prefer, uh, on either side of me up front and in a station in the back, there's the elements uh, to take the bread and dip it into the cup if you'd prefer to take it that way. Don't take it yet. Go ahead, though, and grab the wafer and hold it in your hand, and we're going to take it together in just a moment. As Jesus spoke that night with his disciples for the first time, again, those words that he proclaimed was, this is my body, I give it for you. And at that point, they did not recognize what was going to happen. And uh, not too many hours down the road as he hung on a cross, they would not fully understand what was happening as his body was broken. But we can remember today his sacrifice, knowing that he allowed his body to come to an end for a time, to be killed out of love for us. He took on the sacrifice that belonged to us. Let's go ahead and take the bread now in remembrance of his love. Go ahead then, and, and don't drink it yet, but hold the, the cup with the juice symbolizing his blood. As he hung on a, a cross, literally forgiving those crucifying him, his blood was poured out, his life would be ended, and he'd breathe his last. And there's such a beautiful imagery that in this moment, we see the outpouring generously and freely of his love for us. And he's continuing to pour out his love generously and freely today in remembrance of his love. Go ahead and take the cup now. The beauty of Easter Sunday is that it's a declaration, it's a commemoration, it's a remembrance that the death of Jesus was not the end of the story. Rather, it's just kind of a glorious beginning. 
Jesus' work on the cross is finished. Any penalty that needed to be paid for sin was paid all by Jesus. He and he alone conquered sin and conquered death. And the cross was proof for all time of his great love, as well as proof of his divine nature. We continue to read about what happened after his death in Luke 23. There was a good and righteous man named Joseph, a member of the Sanhedrin, who had not agreed with their plan and action. He was from Arimathea, a Judean town, and was looking forward to the kingdom of God. He approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Taking it down, he wrapped it in fine linen and placed it in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever been placed. It was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. I'm sure you're well aware of days in your own life that are miserable or tough or dark Fridays. We've been hurt by circumstances. We've been hurt by others. We've even hurt ourselves. We've all felt the weight. There are, however, beautiful, hopeful, restorative Sundays. There are days of new life, new beginnings, fresh starts, and clean slates. This was that day, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. You see, Jesus entered into our brokenness to make our stories beautiful. And he's still doing the exact same thing today. Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here, but he has been resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. And so at the cross, we're reminded of the humanity of Jesus and his death. And yet, with the empty tomb, we're reminded of the divinity of Jesus as he rose from the dead. Jesus had accomplished exactly what he promised he would. He had risen. Here you go. Here's your line. He had risen indeed. Every other self-proclaimed religious leader still dead in their tomb today, but not our Jesus. He is the most significant figure in all of history, but he's more than that. He is God. He is our rescuer. He is our king. He is our victor. And he is our friend. Some 600 years prior to these events, Isaiah had foreseen both the death of the Messiah and the rescue that it would provide. Isaiah 53, yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a restitution offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days, and by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. He will see it out of his anguish, and he will be satisfied with his knowledge. My righteous servants will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil. 
because he submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. The psalmist had predicted something similar as well. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It is wonderful in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You see, the entirety of Scripture points to the love and redemption of God through Jesus Christ. The man who walked on that Emmaus road hearing Jesus connect dots about himself in the Scriptures had had their hearts set ablaze. It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed, and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Again, can you imagine taking that walk with Jesus? Would you maybe today accept a walk with him as he extends a hand to you saying, I'd love just to walk with you through today and through every day. We hope that you're pondering Jesus in your hearts. We hope that your faith in Jesus is strengthened today because he is very much alive and well. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that makes all the difference in the world for me and for you and for all those that you love. And so how can we respond to all of this? Well, one way is to simply look at the Apostle Paul's beautiful words regarding us and regarding Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. If then there is, there is any, any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Easter is a marriage of both the past, the very distant past, a couple thousand years ago, and this present moment. It was on that Friday leading up to that Sunday that Jesus intentionally and knowingly stepped into humanity's darkest moments, our worst the evil within, sin ravaging our hearts and causing selfishness to start his process of restoration. This is what Jesus does. He restores broken stories to beautiful. 
But as we sit and proclaim and read the scriptures and sing songs and remember what Jesus has done, that's not the end. Again, it's a marriage of the past and the present because Jesus is still doing the same thing today. He is still embracing the darkest of humanity in our world, diving into stories and restoring them from broken to beautiful, our stories. And so today we don't just celebrate the past, but we recognize that in this very moment, Jesus is alive and well and breathing, and he's walking with us and before us and leading and loving. It's so easy to just celebrate something on a day like today, but our encouragement to you is not to uh, get confused and to think that this room and this building that we sometimes refer to as uh, the church is the place to, to celebrate and to have faith. What Jesus then did is walk on a road with his followers, guiding them to follow him and to trust him and the everyday stuff of life. And so today we celebrate not only that we believe Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment, but that we've walked with him. We've known his trustworthiness. And we know that in the darkest moments when it seems as if there truly is no hope and that Satan has been victorious, as it appeared to be when Jesus hung on that cross, as sometimes it appears to be in our lives when it seems as if there's no hope, it's in that moment that we can still trust Jesus. It's in every moment that we can still trust Jesus. And so it's an honor to get to worship him alongside of you today. We're gonna to continue to worship now uh, in the form of baptism. And baptism uh, really does two things. And on one hand, it's a public proclamation that different individuals will make to publicly proclaim that Jesus alone is King of Kings and Lord of Lords and that they want to submit to and follow him in every area of their lives. In addition to public proclamation, though, uh, there's a communal, familial component of baptism. As the, the individuals today get baptized, they're committing to walk with us as a church family, to stumble with us as a church family, to sing with us in the good moments, to mourn with us in the bad as we follow Jesus together. And we are committing to them, to support them, to pray for them, to get to know them, to walk alongside of each other. This is not just a personal, individual thing. That's not what Jesus did. He's certainly our Lord and Savior individually, but what he calls us to do is follow him together. And there's deep beauty in that. And so I'm gonna invite those that are getting baptized to join me here up front. That passage in Philippians 2 that we were just reading ends with a declaration that someday every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you, if you already have a relationship with Jesus and you would say Jesus is your Lord. See, Jesus is already Lord. You don't get to make him Lord, but you can uh, keep him out of lordship of your life. But he invites you to make him your Lord, as he is the Lord. And uh, he loves to sit in the driver's seat of your life. And so as these fine folks have uh, placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and making a public declaration of it, uh, today, maybe you weren't planning it, and maybe you've never been baptized, but Jesus is your Lord, and you'd like to be baptized today, um, you can. I know you'll get wet, but we got dry clothes for you after. So if, if you would like to be baptized kind of on the fly and Jesus is your Lord, then you can meet me 
in the back at the soundboard here in just a moment. Or maybe uh, you just got more questions about who Jesus is and what that would look like to step into a relationship with him. Likewise, we'll be back there and would love to talk with you. With that, my name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. Thanks so much for joining us. If this is your first time, welcome. Glad you're able to tune in. Uh, if you want to jump over to restorationaz.org to learn a little bit more about who we are. And um, yeah, we say this every time, but we mean it. Remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.